0: Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Freethinkers Media Network Podcast. This is your host, Malik Rahim. And on today's show, we're going to continue uh, the history of school shootings in the United States. The last show that we did, we stopped at the 1940s. Now we're going to get into the 1950s. And those of you who are tuning in for the very first time, Uh, we basically became interested in doing this historical analysis of the history of of school shootings in the United States while I was watching the news on the current events that are taking place uh, right here and right now in uh, 2023, which has been back-to-back every month. There's a mass shooting somewhere. There's a school shooting somewhere. So I thought about it. I was like, well, when did this, you know, when did this begin? When did this start? Because as far as looking at these isolated incidents, I think that there's a tendency for, you know, the news or the, the media or the, you know, um, the government basically to kind of just elaborate on this as if it's something that basically started, um, something that started recently. You know, I wanted to know when did this first happen? You know, when did it actually Uh, first started occurring. And based upon our research, uh, we found out that the first actual uh, recorded school shooting uh, occurred in 1764. Uh, the, The 1764 actually was on July 26, 1764. According to our research, it states that the earliest known United States shooting to happen on school property was uh, the Pontiac's Rebellion School Massacre on July 26, 1764, where four Lenape American Indian entered the schoolhouse near present-day Greencastle, Pennsylvania, shot and killed schoolmaster Enoch Brown and killed nine or 10 children. Only two children survived. And those of you who are unaware of what the Pontiac Rebellion is, Pontiac was a Native American uh, Native American chief uh, who basically gathered a bunch of tribes together in order to protest and rebel against British rule. So the Pontiac Rebellion kind of overspilled into a school property, and a schoolmaster was uh, killed, and um, ten children. Were killed now. According to what we have here, it says that the reports vary. You know, uh, as far as like you know, how many uh, survivors uh, there were uh, during this uh, 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 this school shooting. Okay, so this is the first event, 1764. I kind of keep repeating this in each podcast, basically to go back from the beginning because I want to establish this this ongoing issue. That has been occurring since the 1700s, and then as we look throughout the 1700s, the 1800s, and 1930s, we find that there are a variety of reasons why people were triggered to commit those crimes. Some were mental illness related. Some were revenge. Some were, you know, young boys who were carrying pistols around and accidentally let it off. Some were, um, you know, um, back in the days, you know schoolmasters were entitled to uh, discipline, physically discipline students uh, for various reasons, and then some were retaliation, some were romantic endeavors that were, you know, that didn't go anywhere. So there's a vast reasons in terms of what triggered uh, this particular, um, these particular actions. And of course, you know the the argument is always that well it's not guns that's doing the shooting that we need to address uh mental illness <clears throat> that's the argument we need to address mental illness that we need to spend hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to address mental illness and unfortunately um you know some of the cases that we've reviewed um sometimes the mental illness is so undetectable undetect- it's like you can't really look at a person and say you're mentally ill. I mean you can observe their behaviors and determine that something abnormal is going on but there are moments in which a person can be living a life that is totally normal and all of a sudden something happened there's a situation that occurred that eventually triggered them to response in a maladaptive way and that is unknowing that's unbesetting and we've seen this happen in throughout the this this century you know we've seen people get fired from jobs. Go get a, a AK-47. Come back and shoot up the place. But there were but people that report, you know, their personality type would say, well, he was always quiet. He didn't. He was a very nice guy. Or she was, you know. Uh, most of these crimes, of course, are done by males. Um, you know, um, not necessarily women. So, you know, he was this and he was that and he was this. So, you know, sometimes the signs are there. Sometimes, you know, when when we talk about having background checks um, for those who are, um, you know, for those who are criminally, uh, for mentally ill, we need to find out that sometimes, you know, you can do a background check and the person has no history of mental illness, but something may happen in their life that is a rough event and that eventually caused them to, to snap. And we don't have the science to predict who's going to snap. Okay, So therefore, the emphasis on mental illness, I think, is important. I think it should be addressed when uh, there is observable symptoms. Uh, that displays that this person is struggling with something that immediately it should be addressed. Um, But I think that to make the argument, oh, it's not guns that kill people, it's people that kills people, so we need to focus on mental illness, it's really kind of really a, 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 I I don't think it's a strong argument, because in, in terms of mental illness, no one can depict you know who's going to be mentally ill next okay so like i said sometimes mental illness is is triggered by situations and we can't predict or control those situations as humans but we, what we can do is basically come up with a physical plan a physical plan and i don't even understand why for the life of me that as a as a country that we will spend hundreds and millions and billions to support other countries to defend themselves in wars, but yet we are unwilling to say, okay, we're gonna spend 40 billions in our law enforcement, if we're not going to restrict individuals from getting guns, then we need to make sure that every public school, every private school, where there are kids, at least to start off, needs to be secured by armed police officers. Now, the idea of arming teachers, I don't think that to me is a wise idea because anything can go on in these classrooms that we can't control. But as far as establishing a actual physical plan to say that okay a person can come in with a AK47 or they want but if the area is secure then unfortunately they won't be able to commit the crime that they're trying to because they're going to be deterred they're going to see a bunch of cops with guns with guns just as big as theirs and they're going to think twice before they enter into a school so i don't understand why Billions of dollars is being used to send to other countries to defend themselves when we can use this money to basically look at um, establishing physical restraints. Because, like I said, we don't know who's going to snap. It could be a teacher in the classroom that snapped. And we've seen this throughout this historical analysis that there were situations where some of these things happened, where it was a schoolmaster, it was a principal, mental illness. We do not have a magic capability to determine. Who's going to be mentally ill? What will trigger mental illness? Therefore, I think the best option, from my humble opinion, is to establish parameters that's going to make it extremely difficult for perpetrators, whether they're inside the building or outside the building, to even think twice about committing those crimes because we can't detect mental illness. Now, if it's observable that this person is dealing with a mental illness issue, of course, we have to address it immediately. But mental illness is one of those subjective uh, 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 categories in which some people you can say, ooh, yeah, something is not going on right with this person. And then others, you can't really depict whether something is right or wrong with this individual. There is no way for us to do that until the person displays symptoms of mental illness. Then we can basically say, okay, yeah, they're struggling with a mental illness. Um, However, I think that what is uh, deemed responsible is to establish physical parameters and things that can happen. Okay, now we understand that the AK-47 has the capability, the technical capability to shoot numerous rounds, take it off the market. Okay, not saying that you know individuals don't have their First Amendment rights. They, they can't carry guns or whatever whatever the situation is. They have the right of free speech and do this and that. Not trying to take a person's right away, but then basically saying that instead of you having the capability to obtain weapon that basically can physically cause damage on a massive level, now you can only you know, purchase, you know, guns that basically will allow you to shoot just a particular rounds. That's very important because then that reduces, a person may still attempt to commit crime, but then that's going to reduce uh, the, the, the numerical um, instances of, of, these, of these crimes um, taking place on a massive level. So what I suggest, what my opinion is, my humble opinion, is that the the billions of dollars that are being sent to other countries to defend themselves should find itself being redirected into our school system. Now, of course, there are other places in which there are mass shootings. There could be mass shootings at a club. There could be mass shootings at a synagogue, a mass jail. There could be mass shooting anywhere. But I think that when it comes to the innocent lives of kids, we are responsible to ensure that they are safe while they are learning. Anything else, of course, is 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 you know may require a lot more funding. But at least to say, okay, if a ten-year-old goes to school, we're going to make sure that they're fine. If they're in high school, they're they're good. They're not worrying about getting killed because we've established the physical parameters. We've put money into the school system to say, we're going to put cops with big guns so that anybody on the inside of the building or the outside of the building that ever think twice about attacking our schools would have to <coughs> would have to come up with a plan that, yeah, I'm going to commit suicide today. Basically, that's what it is. I'm going to commit suicide. All right. So that's, that's my view on this. You know, that's my view on this because this has been happening since the 1764. And then we're going to talk about the 1950s, but everybody's just so, oh my gosh, this is happening in 2023. This has been happening since 1764 because people have easy access to guns and no one is willing to say, okay, what can we do to establish a physical parameter, something that is observable, something that we can touch. Talking about mental illness, and using the topic of mental illness in order to deter individuals from the real issue i think is definitely improbable okay that is that's that needs to be taken care of um, and, and 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 the only thing that i can say based on my view is that if we are unwilling to establish these physical parameters to say AK-4, AK-47, any guns, machine guns, whatever type of guns that can shoot multiple rounds and put people's lives in danger and cause mass casualties are no longer available to the public. They are only uh, available to law enforcement officers and those that are in the military. And you can go ahead and buy you a pistol, you can go ahead and buy you a gun, whatever you want to buy, but we will make ensure that it's not something that allows you as citizens to be able to shoot multiple rounds for massive casualties. So that's my opinion. And number two, um, to All the billions of dollars that are sent to other countries to fight wars, put those billions of dollars into our law enforcement offices and put specified train officers specifically for the schools. And that has nothing to do with, you know, the officers that are, are considered to be for the need of the cities. And then that way, that will reduce anybody thinking of walking into a school to commit those crimes. very important. Very important, establishing metal detectors. Yeah, you want to walk through here, we're going to have metal detectors because sometimes it can happen where the gun is, is snuck inside. or we. So anything that is physical, that is tangible, that can be done, then the, those billions of dollars that are being sent to other countries to fight wars should be put into the school system in order to reduce mass casualties. And then secondly, like I had mentioned, is to also emphasize on taking guns that has the ca- technical capability for multiple rounds. So we're not saying to Americans that you can't have the right to bear arms. We're just not going to give you the right to bear arms that's going to, that, that has the capacity for mass casualties, shooting multiple rounds so quick that no one can um, escape from it. Okay, you can go and purchase a gun, but the type of gun that you are uh, capable of purchasing as a citizen it will not be the same type of gun um, that a person who's in the military or a person who is a, or a law enforcement uh, officer is capable of carrying around. And if we don't do that, then ultimately what it is is we're being driven by greed. If we keep ignoring this, the greed is the reason behind um establishing those parameters, which can be done. Greed. So politicians can talk all they want, but there are big monies behind guns. And as long as people continue to defend their pockets, then it's blood money. I'm going to say this, and I don't care what anybody think. As long as anybody continues to defend that we, we we don't need to take these AK-47s off the public market or any guns that has the capacity for multiple rounds to be shot off the market, then that, that is blood money. So, you know, that is blood money. So then let let's continue here. 1950, okay? Let's get back to the saga. In 1950, July 22nd, 1950, New York City a 16-year-old boy was shot in the wrist and abdomen at the public school uh, dance during an argument with a former classmate. November 27, 1951, New York City, David Brooks, a 15-year-old student, was fatally shot as fellow pupils looked on in a grade school. April 9, 1952, New York City a 15-year-old boarding school student shot a dean rather than relinquish pen-up pictures of girls in bathing suits okay July 14 1952 um Bayard Peaks walked into the offices of the American Physical Society at Columbia University and shot and killed secretary Eileen Fahey with a 22 caliber pistol Peaks was reportedly upset that APS had rejected a pamphlet he had written. September 3, 1952 in Lawrenceville, Illinois, a 25-year-old Georgine Lyon ended her engagement with Charles Petra, Petra shot and killed Lyon in a classroom at Lawrence High School where she worked as a librarian. November 20th, 1952, okay? uh, Admiral E. E. Herman, 56 years old superintendent of the Naval Postgraduate School was found dead in his office with a bullet in his head. A service revolver was found by his side, so he committed suicide. October 2nd, 1953. October 2nd, 1953, Chicago, Illinois, a 14-year-old Patrick Coletta was shot to death by a 14-year-old Bernice Turner in a classroom of Kelly High School in Chicago. It was reported that after Turner refused to date Coletta, he handed he handed her the gun and dared her to pull the trigger, telling her that the gun was only a toy. And a dare and, and dare her to pull the trigger and tell her he was a, a toy coroner and uh, Corona's jury later ruled that the shooting was an accident. So therefore, this, this person got, got away with this. October 8th, 1953, New York City, 17-year-old student at the Machine and Metal Trades High School was shot and slightly wounded in the right shoulder in the lobby of the school while inspecting a handmade pistol owned by one of the several students. May 15, 1954, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Putman's Davis Jr. was shot and killed during a fraternity house carnival at the Phi Delta, Phi Delta Theta House at the University of North Carolina. William Joyner and Alan Long were shot and wounded during the exchange of gunfire in their fraternity bedroom. The incident took place after an all-night beer party. Mr. Long reported to the police that while the three were drinking beer at 7 a.m., Davis pulled out a gun and started shooting with with a gun and he had obtained from the car of a former roommate. January 11, 1955, Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. After some of his dorm mates urinated on his mattress, Bob Bechtel, a 20-year-old student at Swarthmore College, returned to his dorm with a shotgun and used it to shoot and kill fellow student Holmes Strouser. April 17, 1956, New York City. An 18-year-old, Henry Smith, a student at Bronx Vocational High School, is stabbed to death by a 16-year-old, Randolph Lawrence, a fellow student. The stabbing was reportedly sparked over a dispute about a basketball game. May 4, 1956, in Prince George County, Maryland, 15-year-old student, Billy uh, Prevete, fatally shot one teacher in Andrew and injured two others at Maryland Park Junior High School in Prince George County after he had been reprimanded from the school. October 20, 1956, New York City, a junior high school student was wounded in the firearm in the forearm yesterday by another student armed with a homemade weapon at Booker T. Washington Junior High School. So you see that the, the thing is that the, the, there, there will be instances where people are creating homemade weapons, where you know it's not guns that's being used; it's knives that are being used. So my argument here is not in reference to how we're going to stop crime, because of course we can't predict who's going to snap and commit a crime, and they're going to find ways to do or commit that crime. But I think the focus should be to reduce mass casualties. And then when we look at those weapons that holds the capacity for multiple rounds, then we have to say, okay, now let's look at, okay, let's take them off the market. If you are a, a regular, normal citizen of this great country, you can no longer purchase the AK-47. You can purchase whatever you want to purchase, but you can't purchase the AK-47. I think secondly, also, there has to be the laws, the gun laws has to change as far as saying okay, you have the right to bear arm, but then if you use this gun to commit a crime, then these are the punishment that goes along with it. So there has to be some judicial re- reformation that also take place um, and that still won't, Delineate the fact that people will have issues where they feel as though that using weapons are the means to resolve those issues. And, like I had mentioned, we can start programs, we can, you know, uh, put money into mental uh, uh, wellness, or we can do all of those things, but no one can predict who's going to snap and who's not going to snap. A person can say, Well, I don't have anger issues, I don't have mental illness issues. And then 10 years down the line, or three months down the line, or five months down the line, they, they deal with a situation that, that caused them to snap on a level that they didn't think that they would snap. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to, uh, although my, uh, my undergrad, undergraduate degree is in psychology, and I love psychology, and I believe in psychology, I believe in therapy, but i'm not going to basically be this advocate that says that the only method to deal with this is to just look at mental illness because it's not the guns that are shooting people it's people that are shooting people so but that that's like so subjective we don't know we can't we can't really depict what goes on into people's brain when they encounter a situation two two individuals one both go through the same situation both lose their jobs and then one is is, is resilient enough to say, okay, I've lost my job. Okay. Da, 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 da. I'm going to look for another job. Another one, the, the same person in the same company loses his job. Then he, that triggers a very different response for him, cognitively speaking. He goes and get his AK-47 and then call, comes in and kill five or six people. Boom, mass shooting. You know. So we don't know how people will respond to situations. So the argument of mental illness needs to stop. Oh, it's mental illness. Stronger mental illness check backgrounds. But there are people who don't have any mental illnesses right now, but who will find themselves uh, struggling with mental illness later on based upon some kind of a situation that triggers that cognitively speaking. All right. October 2nd, 1957, New York City, a 16 year old student student was shot in the leg yesterday by a 15 year old classmate at a city high school. March 4th, 1958, New York City, a 17 year old student shot a boy in the manual training high school. May 1st, 1958, a 15 year old high school freshman was shot and killed by a classmate in a washroom of the mass up. Pequa High School, September 24th, 1959, New York City, 27 men and boys in an arsenal were seized in the Bronx. Uh, this is a report last night as the police headed off a gang war resulting from the fatal shooting of a teenager, teenager Monday at Morris High School. So this is one of the reasons why I also advocate for it. Metal, to metal detectors at all schools. Um, because like I said, it's not just looking at preventive in terms of trying to prevent anyone from coming into the school by putting the presence of police officers that I think should be specifically for the schools. And I think that those police officers should be given guns that are, that they should be highly trained. They should be given these powerful weapons, so that anybody who's want to, to, when they look at the physical parameters, they would, okay, there are too many cops in here with too many guns. I'm not going to try to go in because I know that's a suicidal mission. So that's entrance. But then also we know, based upon our historical analysis, some of these guns were brought to school by kids OK, 15, 12, 13, 14, or some of these guns were brought in by schoolmasters, teachers. OK, so you're coming in. You're going to have to go through the metal detector for us to depict whether you have a weapon in here or not, whether it's a knife, whether it's a gun. So those billions of dollars that are being used to help other countries to fight wars should be redirected to making sure that our kids have safe a safe haven in order for them to learn. So I'm going to stop right here. Your host, Malik. Yes, that's my Muslim name. Those of you who may like, well, you was Noel. Noel is my birth name. Malik Rahim is my Muslim name. So I've never really kind of mentioned this in my podcast, but today I will. So I am concluding right here. Malik Rahim, I am concluding right here in terms of this particular situation that's going on. And we're going to stop uh, with the 1950s. And then uh, the next show, well, I'm going to take it all the decades, 60s, this this thing, and then, you know, and bring it to the 2000s. All right. So we're stopping at the 1950s. We will uh, further continue our topic on the history of school shootings in the United States of America. All right. May God bless every single person who has listened to this podcast and hopefully you found something that was said that has actually been able to help you. And I let, let us continuously pray uh, for those families who have gone through this trauma, and also let us pray for the students who actually went and, you know, who engaged and this, you know, experienced uh, this trauma. Um, Definitely, I know that there may be some PTSD going on, hopefully not, but let's continuously pray for the families and the students that have survived, and those that has passed away, may their soul rest in peace. Have a good weekend.